let's pray together, shall we? As we come to you today, Lord, may we draw near to you. May we receive your spirit. And may we grow to be more like your son. Amen. We're going to read uh, John 15, 1 to 8 uh, this morning. Um, so if you want to follow me with it or you've got it, then that'd be great. So here we go. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is a much-loved passage in scripture and one of Jesus' final conversations with his disciples. And it's recorded only in John uh, before Jesus is arrested and crucified. And he is preparing his followers for what is to come with encouragements and warnings and using imagery that would have been familiar and profound as he describes himself as the vine and his father as the gardener. This imagery would have made the disciples sit up and take notice, not least because in scripture it had been Israel that Isaiah described as the vine, called by God to bear fruit for him, to live so that the nations around them would see that they belong to God and have a heart for love and for justice. But here Jesus is the vine and unlike disobedient Israel, he's the perfect vine. His, his followers are his branches and God our Father is the gardener lovingly caring for us, longing that we might produce fruit that brings him glory and which those around us will be drawn to and long to be part of. The overarching emphasis in this passage is fruit bearing. It's the mark of the true disciple of Christ. How then does this fruit, the disciple of Christ, sorry, how then? Does the branch, the disciple of Christ, bear fruit? Two things struck me for today, and particularly as we're thinking about being connected to the vine. And perhaps they're particularly helpful as we think about, as we continue in lockdown and perhaps face daily frustrations, feeling impatient for things to change or go back to normal, whatever normal is. Firstly, we must remain or abide in him. One commentator imagines the sap that runs between the vine and the branches is the Holy Spirit. I really love this image. Remaining in him, therefore, being the ongoing work of drawing near to Christ and being filled with his spirit. His life-giving sap filling us daily as we come to him, 
giving us all we need to live, uh, live for him, to be transformed for him, and giving us life and strength, making us more like Jesus. Verse 5 tells us that apart from me, you can do nothing. But actually thinking about it, we can. We can earn a living, we can raise a family, we can be generous, we could even work for a church. But without Christ, without abiding in him, we will bear little or no deep spiritual fruit. Real fruit in terms of developing, it, it, real fruit in terms of developing a character like Christ comes from the vine himself. It's not about results or how many great ideas we have or even how many people we bring to Christ. Abiding in him means that our inner lives are changed by the spirit and our character becomes more like Christ. And the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control will become more evident in our lives. So we need to spend time with Jesus, listen to him, to embed our lives in his words and to associate with others who are remaining in Christ. And that's the way to remain close. And that's the way we're going to keep going and keep growing. I found it challenging at times in lockdown to humbly come before Jesus, to draw on that life-giving spirit of the vine to continue to change me. Sometimes my patience with this situation is seriously lacking. Sometimes my desire to be kind is replaced by an intolerance and just the desire to do what suits me. But when we're confined to our homes, we've got a wonderful opportunity during a season when life isn't as frantic as normal to deepen our connection to the vine, to our saviour, to the one who loves us and longs for us to enjoy life in all its fullness, even now. So we need to remain in him. But I think, too, we need to allow God to prune us. I'm not much of a gardener, but I do know that pruning a plant isn't cruel. It might seem brutal at the time, and yet it means that a plant will produce a much more healthy fruit over time. My dad loves pruning his roses, and the result is astonishing. They are beautiful, and they fill the garden with colour and life and fragrance that everyone else is, can enjoy. And he's forever saying you need to prune things right back to produce the best result. Let's be honest, being pruned by God is sometimes and often painful. David writes in Psalm 119 that it's good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. We don't often think of the time that being pruned is good for us. Sometimes we're pruned by God because of our sin, sometimes because God wants us to produce even more fruit. Whatever the reason, we don't necessarily enjoy being pruned but the results are beneficial in terms of our relationship with God and with others. And we need to allow him to prune us. And we need to trust him because it's love that leads him to prune us and the desire that we might be all we can for him. There's a character in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia called Eustace. He's a selfish boy and he only thinks of himself. In the voyage of the dawn treader, he gets turned into a dragon because he behaves badly, basically. And he wants to be a boy again, and he desperately tries to remove the scales himself. But he can't. Finally, Aslan, the lion, the Christ-like figure, comes, and Eustace describes what happens next. This is what the lion said. You'll have to let me undress you. 
I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you, but I was pretty near desperate. So I just lay flat on my back and let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right to my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I'd ever felt. The only thing that, that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. We can't prune ourselves, only God can. He does it because he loves us and he's never as close to as he is when he's pruning us. And as we are pruned, there is more of Christ in our lives. So we need to let him. Indeed, we need to long for him to be about his work, that we might become more like his son and produce fruit to the father's glory, as it says in verse eight. So perhaps we should ask ourselves today, are we choosing to remain close to the vine? Are we prepared for pruning? Or are we experiencing his pruning in our lives now? Are we allowing him to go about his transforming work, even if it's painful and hard? Let's pray together. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and the Father is the gardener. Everything the Father and Son do is geared to enhance our abiding and our fruitfulness. And so we pray, Lord, that with each trimming, may there be more of Christ in us for your glory and for the blessing of others. Amen.